My name is Thomas McPhee, and you're listening to The STEM. The STEM is a music podcast where I talk about my thoughts and feelings on whatever happens to make its way into my musical rotation each month. This is a very special episode where I'll not only be reviewing the new Depeche Mode album, Spirit, but we'll also be covering a basic retrospective of the band's career and works thus far. This also marks the first The Stem episode with an explicit tag, so just be aware that there is a curse word towards the very end of the review, if that's something that's important to you. Depeche Mode was one of the first bands I can consciously remember listening to. My mother has been a huge Depeche Mode fan all of her life, so growing up I was constantly surrounded by their music. The band was formed in 1980 as a quartet and has seen a few members come and go, but has at its core always been the work of Dave Gahan, Martin Gore, and Andy Fletcher. While the band has always been synth-based, their tone, atmosphere, and genre has fluctuated wildly over the course of their career. Their first albums can be quite confidently described as synth-pop, featuring heavy 80s electronic instruments, dance beats, catchy hooks, and often lyrically focusing on love and sex. I roughly define this period as covering their first four or five albums, from Speak and Spell in 1981 to Black Celebration in 1986. But then their work starts to become a little darker, featuring more industrial instrumentation and more lyrical matter that tackles religion, guilt, abuse, and loneliness. This stage covers the next three albums, from Music for the Masses in 1987 to Songs of Faith and Devotion in 1993. These two periods contain some of Depeche Mode's most famous and long-standing songs, such as In Your Room, Walking in My Shoes, Personal Jesus, and Enjoy the Silence. Also notable in these two periods were a slightly thinner and more sparse production landscape, and this landscape held moments of silence and at times more limited production elements. At this point in time, Dave Gahan, lead singer, also had a much higher vocal register and a slightly smoother quality to his voice. This brings us to 1997 and Ultra, which for me is the most memorable, defining, and personal favorite Depeche Mode album. Having just lost a member of the band due to a tumultuous tour, things were not looking good. Gahan then overdosed on heroin and almost died before being resuscitated. These experiences, the imminent demise of both their artistic venture as well as one of their lives, turned Ultra into the most brutal, dark, and desolate Depeche Mode album ever recorded, if not one of the darkest albums ever recorded by any band. The lyrical matter of the album focuses heavily on addiction, abandonment, and suicide, and the band themselves step back from production, which may be part of the reason why the sound of this album is so unlike any other Depeche Mode record. The production is fuzzy, heavy, and dissonant, and while it features synths, it is not an electronica record, and it does feature guitars and shredding at various moments, it is also not a rock album. This album is wholly original and unique to itself, and there may be no piece of music that ever captures the same feelings that this album does. This album also marks the moment that Gahan begins to pitch his vocals lower and adds a lot more growl and intensity to his vocal work. We then move to 2001's Exciter, which in some ways can be seen as a reaction to Ultra, in some places pushing away from it, and in others taking lessons from it and spinning those results further. By and large, the album features less of the fuzz and absolute desolation and chaos than in many ways define Ultra's production, returning to the more traditional synth-pop rock trappings for songs like Dream On, Free Love, and Comatose. But then songs like The Sweetest Condition and The Dead of Night embrace the darkness and roughness, both in production and lyrics. 
While Ultra featured some of the darkest and harrowing lyrics of the band's career, I think The Dead of Night takes the cake for the most disturbing song they've ever made, which feels oddly at odds with the bright green flowers that is the album's cover art. While Exciter was another one of the most defining albums I listened to growing up, it's undeniable that it's not quite as strong of a work as Ultra, feeling a little rushed and haphazard at parts. Gahan has said in interviews that this was one of his most frustrating albums to record, feeling like it lacked much experimentation on the band's part. So, after its release, Gahan told Gore, the band's primary lyricist and music writer, that he needed to be contributing more to the albums, demanding initially a 50-50 split on all songs featured on the next album. And thus, we enter Depeche Mode's modern phase, which spans four albums, including this year's Spirit. 2005's Playing the Angel took the band in some new directions, opening with a more bold and distorted electronic sound than many of their previous works, relishing somewhat in the areas where things weren't as polished. The album is probably one of their least poppy efforts, and while it doesn't plumb the depths like Ultra does, it's a close second for the band's darkest and saddest entry. From macro to nothing's impossible, there's a desolation across the album's sandscapes that feels familiar, but approachable. This album also balances its pace incredibly well, mixing fast-paced love songs like Lillian with the dirge tempo The Darkest Star, and yet flowing all together effectively. It's one of their most cohesive and successful albums by far. Unfortunately, it was followed in 2009 by Sounds of the Universe, which is possibly Depeche Mode's weakest album. It swings too far back into pop sensibilities and features incredibly loose and generally unsatisfying production. The opening track, In Chains, is fine once it gets going, but it's almost seven minutes long, when it would work just as well as a four-minute track. Hole to Feed is possibly one of my least favorite tracks from the band of all time, with a sprawling and open-sounding production that feels like it's tripping over its own feet and trying to decide its own tone and ideas, and is complemented by an incredibly weak melody and vocal performance from Gahan. The lead single, Wrong, is actually pretty exciting and is by far the best track on the album, returning to some of the fuzz and darkness of playing the angel. Its problem is that it's so obvious that it doesn't belong on this album. The rest of the album mostly plays around love songs that are generally uninteresting or weak by comparison to what the band has put out before, and very few of the tracks stand out. Most of them aren't terrible, they're just instantly forgettable. Then we have 2013's Delta Machine, which is a lot closer to being on the right track than Sounds of the Universe, but still suffers from some of the same faults. Gahan's melody and vocals on the opener Welcome to My World are really underwhelming and feel much more like moaning and complaining than enticing. The lyrics on this track are also surprisingly ill-written, and over it all, it feels clunky and awkward. There's a handful of wheat tracks on this album, a handful of acceptable ones, and a few rare diamonds. Broken, Should Be Higher, and All That's Mine stand out as highly memorable, and all feature fat and fuzzy synth productions that have incredibly memorable and engaging choruses. Again, a disappointment, but less so than Sounds of the Universe, for sure. This brings us to 2017 Spirit, which I am happy to say once again continues the trend and continues to improve, reaching a level of cohesion and success that firmly establishes it as one of the better and more memorable Depeche Mode albums in their discography. What stands out for me on this album are the ways in which they've simplified their production at moments and incorporated explicitly political lyrics. 
The band has never shied away from making their thoughts and opinions known on previous albums, but this collection takes it to a whole new level. From the opening lyrics on the album, We are not bigots. We have not evolved. We have no respect. We have lost control. We know we are dealing with a more socially and politically explicit album, and to me, that shift pays off. There are almost pseudo-narrative threads tucked into these tracks that help keep the whole album feel like a cohesive unit and project, and yet it has all the trappings of a Depeche Mode album that you come to expect in all the best ways. Going Backwards is the strongest opening track since A Pain that I'm used to, and is fairly stripped down and sparse, focusing more on Gahan's voice as he sings about human tendencies for violence and the spectatorship of that violence. Whereas on previous efforts he's felt belabored and unengaging in his sadness, here it's crisper, a little more clinical, a sense of shame and reproach just slightly tinging the performance rather than washing it all away in unhappiness. Where's the Revolution, the next track, again breaks down and simplifies the production and goes even further in commenting on current events. It actively decries fascism and oligarchy and implores the listener to revolt and build a better world. It's a little too slow and thoughtful for an anthem or war chant, but it packs a punch to it with vivid imagery that's allowed to marinate long enough for its full effects to be realized in your mind. This feels less like the chant in the streets and more like the argument in the meeting group of disgruntled citizens, this speech that kicks the powder keg off. Gahan makes use of the full range of his vocal register to great effect here, adding extra layers of frustration and tension as the song carries on. The bridge about the oncoming train has a repetitive nature to it which helps mirror the sound of an oncoming train and provides a nice break in what could have turned into a slightly repetitive song as it allows for the production of vocals to build up to another round of the chorus that serves as a kind of drop of sorts. The Worst Crime is an incredibly intimate song that continues the generally slow tempo established in the album so far and also continues a thematic or narrative thread. We've moved from a wide planet-encompassing shot in the first track, to a countrywide shot in the second, to finally an individual perspective in this song. As the lyrics tell the story of a group of citizens who commit a public lynching and their reflections on the horrors of what they've done. Gahan sings about a breakdown in communication and information, which leads to a previously educated and engaged populace to feel that their only choice is to get revenge and deal justice only through murder. It's subtle, and that subtlety is what helps the song and story succeed, rather than feeling ham-fisted or over the top. The way it captures regret, remorse, and uncertainty is fantastic, and the almost country-esque guitar line that serves as the primary production element evokes an almost classical western imagery in mind. It, this song is one of Gore's best writing efforts, and stands out as one of Depeche Mode's best songs. The next track, Scum, picks up the pace, being a more danceable, edgy, gritty, and angry track that seems to reflect on the characters of the previous track, calling them scum and wondering what will be left of them when their crimes catch up with them. Here, all the anger that was missing from the previous track is manifest, and it oozes aggression and condemnation. Depeche Mode weren't happy to dedicate just one track to railing against mob or vigilante justice, and so this blurry and blitzy rage fest comes in to really drive the point home. 
It's some of the angriest the band have sounded since Ultra, and because of its place on the album, it doesn't just seem to speak to some unknown self-righteous persons, but specifically to their uneducated, unthinking, fascist-following enemy that's been the target of the whole album so far. It's a short, short track, but I think that helps it succeed. Then we keep the edge and the pacing, but massively shift gears thematically for it, You Move. It wouldn't be a Depeche Mode album without some sexy playtime, and surprisingly, this song is really the only track on the album that seems to relish in that area, which is usually the band's forte. The song sees the singer thinking on a past lover and their failed relationship, but remarking on the way he likes the moves of that lover in a current reunion. It's an incredibly sensual and dark track and features some of my favorite instrumental work from the band, the production getting its own little solos and feeling like a proper half of the track rather than just a supporting role. The lyrical thematic shift to this song from the past four is a little jarring, and I almost wish there was some track before this one that helped ease that transition a little bit, but sonically at least, the production fits and continues a clear pattern of where the album is living. The chorus of this song can only be described as nasty, and is one of my favorite choruses from the band. is a slow romantic ballad of sorts and is probably the weakest track on the album. It feels just a little too plodding for my taste and it doesn't feel like it really grows in any way. The production tries to feel a little too swelling and important with all kinds of modulated synths moving up and down through octaves, pitches, and chords, and the lyrics about a failed relationship in a world in which the two lovers must cover and support one another just doesn't seem as strong as some of their previous work, and doesn't really seem to grow into anything. Honestly, this song is strongest once the vocals stop and the production shifts slightly into a different end section that gains pace and intensity with repeated synth blasts and synth violin stingers that feel almost like a soundtrack. We then come to the obligatory Martin Gore tragic creepy love song, which is a staple of almost every Depeche Mode album, Eternal. This track is fantastic and features some amazing vocal compositions, lyrics, and production work. It's haunting with these long-held synth-sized and immediately put you on edge. Gore sings of a nuclear apocalypse and how he will protect his eternal lover no matter what danger it incurs. The track is incredibly short, and I almost wish it had about another verse, as it's so successful at being creepy and romantic at the same time. The apocalypse has never felt so well rendered in a song before, and the end of the song features some bone clacking that could have been incredibly cliche, but here feels totally natural and not overused. Next, Poison Heart feels somewhat country-infused with its synth-infused guitar twangs, and feels similar in a lot of ways to Goodbye from Delta Machine. While the verses on this song are kind of weak and sort of plod along uninterestingly and predictably, that whining quality makes an unfortunate return to Gahan's voice here. The choruses on this song are incredibly well composed, incorporating a surprising and highly effective key change with dissonant synth alarm players that mix so well with Gahan and Gore's moaning. The choruses really take the weight of the song here and slam it down, condensing it into its most effective form. Take a listen.
So Much Love is probably the poppiest and simplest track on the album, with Gahan singing, predictably, about how there is so much love in me. It feels very similar to something that might have appeared on Playing the Angel, but in this case it feels a little out of place, like it got lost in time and only showed up 12 years too late for the album it was meant to be on. It's not a bad song, but it's very similar to what the band has done before, so it's disappointing by comparison to those albums. Much of what makes this album feel successful are the ways in which it feels new and unfamiliar, like the band really pushed themselves to experiment and find new lyrical and musical themes and tones. The song just feels too out of place and too much like a rehash. A good, totally acceptable rehash. Poor Man features a funky ping-pong synth-beep chorus that moves back and forward between the left and right channels and is another successful political lampooning of the failures of our capitalistic society. The song tells the story of the eponymous poor man who struggles at every turn to find success and find their place in the world. The chorus is incredibly explicit in who Depeche Mode sees as the villain, and features an incredibly rewarding turn and twist at the end, surprising me and engaging me to re-listen. This song instantly makes me think of the Antibala song Big Man, which is also a parable of sorts about corporate overreach and villainy, and I think Depeche Mode have done a great job on this song of capturing a sinister energy while still creating sadness and sympathy for their main character, even as we learn so few details about them. The way the song picks up at the very end and pushes forward gives me a strong energy to go out and make change, and helps make the song really successful as a political song. It inspires me to go out and make a difference, and gives me a great beat and soundtrack to do it to. Then we come to what, in my mind, should be the final song of the album, No More, This Is The Last Time. It chooses to put aside the politics and focus again on a failed and stagnated relationship, possibly reconnecting to the relationship discussed in You Move. Here, Gahan laments over how he and a lover repeatedly find themselves entangled again and again after they both decide to call it quits, and he makes his stand, saying that this will truly, truly be the last time they say goodbye. The production here is some of the thickest and most complicated it's been on the album, but it feels well balanced together, with higher register synth sparkles coming in on the chorus to help elevate the importance of the declaration of this being the last time they make this choice, but then cut out to draw all focus onto Gahan's voice as he sings, You don't mean a thing to me no more. It's a subtly harsh song that broods a little, but not too much. It has a dark, sad tone to it, but not overly so, still incorporating almost a sense of hope that maybe, yes, they may truly make a different, better choice. Finally, we have Fail, another Gore vocals track, which opens with production that almost sounds like nails scratching before Gore's high-pitched vocal singing comes in. The lyrics return to the political again, describing our world as one with no standards and where people have lost all their spirit. This song is the first to feature the word fuck of any Depeche Mode song, and Gore uses it in an impossibly the most surprisingly cliche way at the end of the first verse, singing this. There's no room for hope or a good future in Gore's estimation of the world, but there's something almost too self-important or hopeless in the lyrics and vocal performance for me to feel moved by the song. The first tracks of the album pointed to specific ideas, images, and examples to showcase how the world had turned astray, but here we just get Gore's elaborations on failure and the horror of our base consciousnesses, which feels weak from a songwriting perspective given the amazing work he's done before. It's an incredibly slow and energy-sucking final track, which feels like a poor way to end an album. 
There's no call to action, no real detailed or insightful inspection or insight here, just the lyric, Oh, we failed, as the song quickly plays to its conclusion. It's a disappointing ending to the album, and one that I don't think capitalizes as fully as it could have on what the album set up in the beginning and established as its main concerns. Despite one or two weak or vaguely recycled songs, this is one of the strongest Depeche Mode albums in over a decade, and I'm glad to have seen them make such a compelling return to form. Political ideas and intense interrogation with complex economic and governmental realities and ideas suit the band well, and I'm hopeful that we'll see more of that content come from anything the band releases in the future. The album does a great job of taking their more recent developments and mining them for the most successful components, while abandoning the things that aren't working for them. Most importantly for me, this album feels tight and cohesive, not only as a whole, but also as individual tracks. It feels more finely tuned and crafted than their previous efforts have been, and it's good to see them be willing to make shorter songs that perfectly capture what the band wants them to, rather than meandering, meandering on pointlessly. Given how strong the album is, as well as my undying love for the band, I'd give this album a longevity score of years and rank it on the lower side of the band's best albums. Thank you all for listening to another episode. You can reach me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Gmail, all at The STEM Podcast. If you have any comments, angry, happy, or otherwise, feel free to send those along. You can also find The STEM on iTunes. Search for The STEM Podcast to find me. And if you can, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating if you like the podcast. The theme music for the show was Cash Rules by Ari De Niro, which is available from Needle Drop Co. I'll be back next month with another episode, but until then, you've been listening to The STEM.